Do you have customer service skeletons in your closet? Does the skeleton of your patronage linger in the closet of a business that just plain blew it? For me, sadly, both are true. In episode 19 of Up and to the Right, we'll take a look at some moldering bones in my own customer service closet, along with two examples that made an impression on me as a customer. According to Harvard Business Review, nearly 50% of customers will tell 10 people or more about a negative customer experience versus less than 25% that will share a positive experience. The good news is that by acknowledging problems, listening to customers, and treating customers with thoughtful respect, you can prevent and resolve most customer issues. We also have our first expert segment this week with Ron Sherwood of Invistia, who will be talking with me about customer relationship management, or CRM. Time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Stephen Krause here with Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast where we focus on blending your passion with proven business principles and practical action that gives you the edge to create your unique impact. This is not a podcast about buzzwords or short-term trends. This is about proven business principles and how to apply them in your unique way. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audible.com forward slash up and to the right, all one word. At Audible, you're going to find over 180,000 titles to choose from, from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. All right, so in the news this week, we've got uh, uh, a, a news story about productivity or, or about customer service excellence in small business. And there's an article in smallbiztrends.com, which I will have a link in the show notes for. And it talks about what are some of the aspects of excellent customer service for companies, uh, for small businesses that are high performance, that are really doing well. And there's really two takeaways from this. One is that their customer service agents are highly productive, which means that they have good processes in place to streamline the, the uh, productivity of their agents. The second thing, and I think for me, the most important thing is that these agents are able to solve customer complaints in one call, which means they have knowledge and authority to make things happen for the customer. And so I think that's a huge uh, advantage for uh, small businesses to take away and something to look at, uh, an article to look at as you have some time. All right, let's cue up the breaking the buzz here. All right, this week we're talking about CRM or customer relationship management, and that's uh, going to be the, the topic for the expert guest segment. And I also wanted to uh, uh, add it as the buzzword of the week. Of course, uh, what is, so basically we're going to go into detail about what CRM is, but basically it's a system that allows the, you the ability to track and manage contact 
with people that you either want to do business with or already do business with. And you can track things like email records, meetings, phone calls, general email campaigns, so campaigns that go out to a broad group of people, whether those people are leads or actually existing customers. Um, you can obviously you can keep their contact information and you can add notes. And so uh, I just wanted to give a brief overview of what do we mean when we talk about CRM. And uh, later on in the program, we're going to have uh, our guest, Ron Sherwood, and he'll talk about uh, more specifics about what we're, what we're looking at when we look at co uh, customer relationship management. All right, in this week's Hitting the Books segment, I want to talk about Influence by Rob Cialdini, or Cialdini, excuse me. And this is, is basically a book about the psychological influencers um, that exist in our culture uh, and have existed in our culture for a very long time. Um, they're not just cultural, they're actually psychological. They're part of who we are as, as a, a species. And um, he talks a little bit about, uh, and I want to put a caveat in here, this is a really good book, but um, it uses tools that could be used for ill or evil. And so I want to make sure that everybody uses their powers for good. The, the goal here is to understand these influencers and help customers find the right products for their needs, not convince them to buy something they don't want. So with that said, uh, what uh, uh, it goes on in this book or what's discussed in this book are a few concepts. One is a called reciprocity, and another is comparison. Another concept is, is commitment and consistency. Then there's social proof, which gets a lot of, of um, we, we talk a lot about that these days. Uh, liking, uh, whether we like someone, we want to do business with people we like, and uh, scarcity and authority. And I'm not going to go into what each of these means because it would, uh, you know, we could take up a whole show. And actually, we've got a really packed schedule this week because of with the uh, added uh, segment. So I'm going to move on from that. But I I want you to to take a look at that book. It is absolutely fantastic, uh, a great read. And for the listeners of Up and to the Right. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can try their service and get a copy of Influence for free. I only advertise products that I use and can fully endorse, and uh, I use Audible every day. Um, so sign up for your free trial and download Influence by Rob Cialdini today. All right, so um, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and insert our guest segment and uh, we'll get started on that. Uh, it's it, it's hard to get good talent, I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay. Our guest today is Ron Sherwood with Invistia Web. Invistia provides business owners with targeted guidance on building and implementing customer relationship management systems, CRMs, as well as hosting and hosting customization services. Thanks for joining Up and to the Right, Ron. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to uh, give you a minute to introduce Invistia and uh, tell uh, tell the listeners what you're all about. Thanks, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Invistia is actually broken up into a couple of different uh, businesses. One of them is CRM and business systems hosting, and maybe a little bit about my background. My my degree is in marketing. However, out of college, I went into uh, IT and um, 
computer programming and worked in that area for about seven years. After that, got back into small business and marketing and sales. However, I always really enjoyed the application of technology in solving business problems. So when I work with my clients, that's largely what I do is apply business or uh, systems technologies to assist the uh, my clients. Typically, that involves a CRM, although sometimes it's it's other things. It may be email. I work a lot with uh, with the old Google Apps now called G Suite, but uh, I seem to have focused in on on CRM systems. So that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. So that that gives us a perfect segue to uh, talk about what CRM even is. Yeah, that's right. Well. Uh, I took a, de a, uh, a definition of CRM from the Salesforce website that says CRM or customer relationship management is a technology for managing all your company's relationships and interactions with customers and potential customers. The goal is simple, improve business relationships. So that's kind of your, your textbook definition. But to me, the, uh, the important thing about CRM with small businesses is how can it help you to interact more effectively with your customers, uh, be more efficient, and hopefully make more money? Yeah, absolutely. And and so uh, you know the the definition is helpful. Where does that? Uh, where do you see the? You know, in terms of the the meat and potatoes of it, what what does the CRM bring? Like in terms of features and benefits to the to a business owner? Yeah, excellent question. You know, one of the things you're going to hear me say throughout this podcast is uh, when you talk about CRM and what CRM you should use and what the features are, a lot of it really depends on the company and the type of work they do and the types of interactions that they have with their customers. But really, the important thing is uh, a CRM, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, an off-the-shelf or hosted, cloud-hosted system that you subscribe to or purchase. There are potentially other ways of doing CRM, and we'll talk about that. But really, the, the features and the benefits is to provide an integrated solution that gives you one place to go for all of your customer interactions and touch points. And so oftentimes, the features that you see in virtually all CRMs is essentially a, a glorified address book where you're able to have all of your customer contact information, address, things like that at your finger at your fingertips. And any CRM will do that as well, honestly, the uh, the contact records in in a Gmail account or or an Outlook. But where CRM starts to evolve beyond the, the contact book, or I used to say a Rolodex, although I think I'm dating myself and using that term, is in maintaining the, uh, the additional information as far as notes and things like that. So you have all of the information in one place. But then more importantly, to provide the tools to be able to interact with your customers. And by those tools, I mean managing email campaigns, templates for both mailed and uh, and email. A number of CRMs now interface with social media. So you can look at a, at, at a customer's um, social media interactions all within the CRM. And we're starting to see actually use of uh, of artificial intelligence in CRM to be able to identify 
what customers may be closest to closing, which ones are really hot. And, and there's some use of, of AI, admittedly, in its infancy at this point that, uh, that does that. So it really provides a, uh, a much more inclusive uh, tool for managing your customers more so than just a, a contact list. Right. So if if uh, um, you have all of that stuff in one place, uh, it makes it easier to uh, keep track of ha what has happened with a specific customer over time. And um, and also, uh, from what I've seen, it also allows you to add um, alerts and things like that that would, would maybe tell you, hey, in two weeks, you need to give uh, Joe a, a call about a proposal you sent or um, send out a, an email blast or something like that. Is that is that also part of the part of a CRM? Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the uh, one of the things that uh, that I talk about when I work with my clients is how many customers do they have? You know, if it's a type of company that has uh, five or eight or ten customers that they work with very closely, their CRM might be a three-ring notebook where they have a different uh, section for each notebook and keep it on paper. Um, but typically, most most companies have more customers than that, and they also have uh, an ongoing sales funnel with prospects and new potential customers coming into the funnel. And that's where the CRM really becomes important. I don't know about you, but I reach a point fairly quickly that I can't keep things as far as what I should be doing on a day-to-day -day basis in my head. And you can certainly put things in your calendar as reminders to do this on the calendar, but all CRMs or virtually all CRMs have the capability, like you said, of putting in reminders, tasks, uh, if, uh, meeting reminders, things like that. So it reminds you, but it does more than just remind you because it ties it to that customer. So you can look at your customer record at a glance and see a history of the interactions you had with them, the notes you had with them. So looking back, you have a, a history to be able to continue furthering their relationship and, and possibly identifying, you know, are they a candidate for a new product that I'm coming out with because you've got notes on their specific needs. But also then looking forward, you can set reminders and tasks to follow up on a proposal or a quotation that you did, or maybe as simple as uh, as uh, keeping note of their birthday and calling them up and, and wishing them happy birthday or maybe sending them a birthday present if that's the type of relationship you have with them. Great. So, um, and I think it would be fair to say also, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but but when we talk about features, um, you know, it, it, ten years ago, CRM for small business was almost unheard of, and now the the internet is crawling with would be CRM uh, options, which is great for us, but it's as, as small business owners, but as um, in, in terms of, of looking at all of the options, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later more, but um, would it be fair to say that, that uh, they all have uh, some core features, but that there are um, some features that are, are particular to uh, some subset of them, and uh, they, they may or may not be uh, across, across the board. They might not all have all of these features. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are, when you look at the, the variety of CRM that are out there now, and you're absolutely right. When I started working with CRMs, there was a, a virtual, literally a handful of them. And the one you heard over and over again was Salesforce. Of course, they've, they've been the, the 900 pound gorilla in, in the CRM space for quite a period of time. But now there's, uh, I, I actually keep a, a directory of CRMs. We'll talk about that a bit later on on one of my websites. And I believe there's about 70 CRMs that are on there now. And those are actually just the general ones. There are CRMs that are developed for specific industries. And I typically don't even list those. So if you were to include the industry specific, probably goes up into the hundreds. Oh, wow. And uh, before we move on, we've we've talked a lot about the the features, at least the core features of CRM. Um, let's talk briefly about how does how do those features create benefit for uh, a business owner? Yeah, excellent question, Steve. A lot of the of the features of a CRM, it's hard to actually uh, apply provide a, a return on investment for. But one of the things to look at in in the CRM is if it saves you time, for instance, if you do a mass email campaign and by using the automated features of an email template and mass email, you're able to send out uh, a monthly newsletter or, or updates or something like that to your customers, a CRM, most of the ones that include the, uh, the mass email features make that process very simple. And so simply the amount of time you save versus sending out individual emails very quickly pays for itself. To me, what's more important are the intangibles uh, and how by being more efficient by using the tools, how many more customers can you interact with on a daily basis and how quickly can those interactions turn into sales? One of the things I often discuss with my with my clients is the cost of the CRM versus what it frees them up to do. And you know, if you look at a lot of the CRMs today, they're in the twenty dollar to thirty dollar a month subscription range. And you know, being a small business person myself, I'm very sensitive to to monthly outflows of cash because they add up. But if if that uh, tool allows you to make just one sale a month, or depending on your product, maybe one sale a year, it's worth the investment in spades. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing you mentioned about the email campaigns, uh, when you send those out of a CRM, uh, you get you also get a reporting feature, and um, you also get that tie-in back to that customer record, right? Yeah, exactly. And that actually leads me to one of the top topics that I wanted to talk a bit about, and that is uh, one of the things I see in, with a lot of my customers, especially companies that are just startups or maybe a, a one or two person company, is is their, uh, their customer database is an Excel worksheet and, uh, you know, one, one customer per row. And there's nothing wrong with that if it works. That kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. In some cases, it might be a three-ring binder. But 
what the Excel worksheet doesn't give you is all of the integration, the ability to, to schedule reminders, the ability to do mass emails, the ability to really keep comprehensive notes. Most of the CRMs today actually interconnect with your email system, so you don't have to go searching your inbox or your email archives for an email to a person. You go to their record, and it's attached right there to their record. So um, you're absolutely right. It it provides just, a, again, a single repository of information that your Excel spreadsheet uh, doesn't really give you. If, if I might carry on on that topic for just a minute more, though, you know, there are other options, and some of them might make sense depending, again, on the types of interactions you have with, with your customers. You know, the, one of my, my favorite grow-your-own databases is called Airtable, and uh, it's free for limited use, and you can actually build very easily uh, a... a uh, uh, a relationship database. And so, you know, with that, you could, with the, if you're technically uh, inclined and with a couple of hours of time, you could put together your own CRM. You also could use Microsoft Access or any other database system. To me, the real question becomes, number one, is that the best use of your time? But number two, uh, what does it not give you that these companies that have spent uh, years growing and developing their systems do provide. And thirdly, as your company grows, is that do you really want to be uh, tied down maintaining and building your CRM system? That's a point where the $20 a month is much more, much more better spent uh, spending that so you can be off dealing with your customers and hopefully generating sales. Absolutely. And so um, the when you talk about using Excel or Airtable or Access or, or some other database, um, you know, I, with the with the options we have now, is there are there privacy concerns? Do you are, are, are people saying, well, I want to keep it on Excel so that I don't have so that so that um, it's not going to get leaked or um, is it just familiar? What do you think drives people to use uh, an online or a, an offline computer program to do this? Uh, that's, that's an excellent question. And actually that goes back to the architecture of some of the CRM systems themselves. Um, there are basically three types of architecture for these systems. One of them is uh, cloud-based where you, you uh, subscribe to them, you have an, a login and it's sitting out on the cloud. And Almost all of the bigger ones today are are cloud-based. You know, if you look at Salesforce, Zoho, VTiger, you just go down the list. They're they're largely cloud-based. Um, the second one is on-premise hosted, and these would be systems where you actually have it running on a server within your office. Typically, it runs on a on a Windows server. Some of them actually will just run directly on the laptop. And then the third one would be ones where it runs on a uh, on your own remote server. In other words, if you have a server that hosts a website, you can also have it host your CRM. I'm a big believer in the cloud-based. And the real reason for that is, number one, it completely eliminates the whole maintenance end of things 
from uh, your responsibility. The company that, that hosts it is responsible for the software updates, keeping the hardware running, and so you're free to use it. Secondly, with the cloud-based, you can access them from anywhere. Uh, virtually all CRMs now have mobile apps that go along with them. So if you're on the road, you can get to it from your phone or your tablet. If you're in a hotel room, you can get to it from your laptop. Uh, if you're at home, you can use a desktop to get to it versus one at work. So the cloud-based just has some, some real advantages. And uh, I the only time that I would suggest to a client that they consider a hosted version, one running on one of their servers, is if they have a compelling need because of uh, security reasons or uh, um, uh, privacy reasons that it absolutely can't be cloud hosted. And I, I imagine there's probably limitations there, particularly for a company that might be a military subcontractor uh, that that controls what they can and can't host in the cloud. Honestly, that's not an area I have much knowledge in, so I'm I'm making assumptions, but I don't know what is for a fact. But to go back to answer your answering your question, um, the why use Excel versus one of the other things, or what drives that Excel? I think a lot of it is cost. They say Excel's paid for; it doesn't cost me anything to use it. Part of it may be just a lack of understanding of what the benefits that a CRM can bring to them. Um, and in some cases, it may be concern for privacy. If it's sitting on an Excel spreadsheet on your computer, in theory, it's more secure than if it's sitting on the cloud. I would say in practice, I'm not sure that's true, but that's probably a topic for another occasion. <laughs> Indeed. So uh, I, I, I agree. I think what happens is people do what they're used to doing. So Excel or Access or or the notebooks. Um, and, uh, you know, my hope is that we are able to introduce the, the value of CRM so people can maybe feel like they have another option. But the other thing is those things don't grow um, if, if you add staff, right? So if you have... Absolutely. Yeah, so if you have um, a, a notebook that you're doing things in and you bring on a, a salesperson they don't have access to the same information you have access to anymore, right? That's right. That's right. Unless you have their your notebook in a in a centrally filed place in your office, but that uh, that starts being severely limited very quickly. Right. Right. And so uh, that gives you an opportunity to say, hey, maybe maybe something that can be be shared. Um, and and that's one of the big things about the the online CRMs is that they are they are. Uh, shared between users kind of as much as you want. I think that there are, are, you can set levels of sharing, right? But, and maybe we don't want to get in too deep into that, but, but that's true, right? You can kind of decide what you want to share between users. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're, you're just a touch on that. You're right. That's a, uh, a, a, a deep topic, but most of the CRM systems have some level of, uh, of either user or group security, so you can you can set up uh, groups within your company. So you might have a sales group, an accounting group, a production group, and 
control what information is available to each group. So, you know, maybe the sales group has information on uh, or has access to the prices that this customer paid for a product, while the manufacturing group may not have access to pricing, but they might have access to uh, uh, product history or something along those lines. Um, oftentimes in small companies uh, or very small companies, that level of security is less of an issue, but the just the ability to share the data is what's important. And that's where a CRM has it, uh, stands head and shoulders above an Excel spreadsheet in that the salesperson that's out on the road can access that data and have all of that history at their fingertips, as can the person that's sitting in the office. Right. Okay. So... Um... Now the the hundred million dollar question, right? There's there's these seventy. I think you said roughly seventy commercially or general use commercial CRMs. Uh, which one's best? Ah, that's a a great question. And uh, again, my answer on that is it it depends. Um, most of the CRMs that are out there will all provide the basic functions. Um, where you start seeing the differences is in things like their ability to uh, interface or the, to, with your email system to be able to do email templates and things. That's an area where we've seen a lot of growth, but some are certainly stronger than others in that area. Um, and we can talk a little bit about specifics in, in a minute. So that would be the, the first thing I would look at would be, you know, what are the features that I need in it? What am I looking for? And then start working on, on filtering through the, uh, the different types of CRMs. Cost certainly becomes a, uh, a factor, and there's a big variety in cost. You'll see pricing on CRMs go vary from free to, uh, I actually looked at one just a couple of days ago that was $189 per user per month. And again, the, the cost should not necessarily be a turnoff. That, the one that was $189 per user per month was actually an industry-specific CRM uh, for a, a, a type of, uh, of business brokerage. And if you need the features, it's cheap because it eliminates the need for a lot of other tools that you might have to purchase otherwise. But if you don't need those features, it's probably not a, a real good choice. So again, the, being feature-driven, cost becomes a, a, another factor. A third one is simply the, the interface. As you use it, what what works well for you, what works into with your workflow. And, you know, a real example of that is there are a couple of CRMs that are specifically designed to integrate with uh, Google Apps or now called G Suite, the, the Google suite of, of tools, including the, the, the uh, branded Gmail and Google Docs and all of that. Um, if you are really tied into that Gmail interface, then I would immediately say look at one of those because uh, it you're gonna your a your your productivity is going to be fairly quick because you're going to have a less a smaller learning curve, um, but more importantly it uh, it fits in with your just your existing workflow and you know a couple of those that immediately come to mind are ProsperWorks and another one called Streak so you know those would be two of them might not be my 
number one choice if you're looking for a more general purpose CRM, but if you re have really embraced the uh, the Google infrastructure, that would be one of you know one of the first things that I'd that I'd look at. Um, beyond that, then uh, it really starts to become a matter of of what interface do you like? And the benefit of most of the CRMs is almost all of them have a uh, uh, try it out for two weeks free. And when I evaluate a CRM, that's the first thing I do is sign up for a, a free subscription for the, the two weeks and really try and kick the tires and, and see which one works. Now, we do have a, a directory, I think I mentioned on one of my websites, and I think it's a good place to start as far as just looking at a summary of the different CRMs. And actually, the directory has a, a link back to each of the, the company's websites. So uh, you can look at a quick description of it, click on the link and get more information. And it's on my website, Invistia CRM, which I think you could probably put in the uh, in the show notes, Steve. Absolutely. Yeah, um, but it's Invistia CRM, and when you go there, right up on the main menu is a listing that says the CRM directory, and it is exactly that, a directory of uh, of, of all the CRMs that I've come across, with the exception of not some of the industry-specific ones. So can, let me interrupt for a second. The, the, sure. um, when you talk about the, the, the cost structure, if there are free ones, why would I ever pay for one? Yeah, good question. Um, there are free CRMs, and the the a couple of them that jump that come to mind immediately is uh, is Zoho. Zoho does have a free CRM, and it's fairly well featured for a free one. Insightly also has a free version, and they all have limits. Uh, I think in in Insightly's case, you can only have twenty five hundred contacts, which for a lot of companies that may be plenty. What you find, though, is uh, that a lot of the features that you might realize you need are not enabled on the free one. For instance, with Zoho, you don't have the email integration that you do with the paid version. So, you know, if you just need the very basics of a CRM, uh, you know, you think, well, my Excel spreadsheet's doing the job, but I'd like to maybe kick the tires and see what, what it'll do for me. By all means, start with one of the free versions, load your, your contacts uh, onto it, and start using that. Of course, any of the free versions, you can also upgrade to paid, uh, which is ultimately what the companies hope you're going to do. The other thing, the warning I would throw out about the free versions is there are some of them that are free, but that free uh, is for a limited period of time. I was looking at one this week, and I honestly don't remember which one it was, but it's uh, it's free for the first year. And after the first year, their pricing was fairly steep. So again, if you choose, if you decide that the features that it has are, uh, are important, maybe it's fine to use it free for a year, knowing that you're going to have to start paying for it after that. Right. And, and maybe the, the, uh, by the time you have to pay for it in a case like that, you're getting real value out of it. Absolutely. And your company's grown and you have hopefully cash flow, if not positive, at least uh, uh, more more positive than it was when you started. And uh, and it's much easier to justify the cost of it. Right. You know, 
if we could, Steve, if we could go back to to features for just a moment, because there was one thing that, as I was talking about Zoho, that I realized I wanted to mention earlier, and that is, you know, we've been talking about CRM features, the ability to do mass emails and and schedule reminders and keep notes and keep history. But there are some of the CRMs that are actually a part of a larger uh, business solution system. And that's something depending on, on your company and the types of products or services that you sell that, that you would want to look at because you might be able to get an integrated solution that does more than just CRM. And the, the big one in this space is Zoho. Zoho has a CRM, which is a very, very solid CRM. They've done a lot of improvements over it over the past three or four years. And uh, it's it's gone from one of those, well, if you need the other features of Zoho, it's okay to use it, to now it's actually one of the top ones on my list. But Zoho has a fully integrated accounting system. Uh, a an inventory system, a purchase order system, an invoicing system, social media, document control, the list goes on and on. So, and and they're not the only one. Um, Aptivo has uh, has uh, uh, inventory included in theirs, as does VTiger. So, uh, if you if you're looking for a more integrated business solution. That might be a better solution than, say, using a CRM, you know, pick your CRM and and trying to get it to interface or not interface with QuickBooks or FreshBooks or whatever you're doing your accounting with. And maybe interface with Zendesk while uh, like Zoho and VTiger both actually offer help desk capabilities as part of their suite. So that's really something to look at is, is does an integrated suite make more sense than just looking at the CRM? Yeah. So it's, excuse me. So it sounds like um, you could be going down kind of, if you, if you're not, well, I shouldn't say if you're not careful, but you could be going down a pretty deep rabbit hole when you start investigating some of this stuff. Oh, absolutely. And you know, the other thing about CRMs is, um, Virtually all of them let you export your data typically to an Excel file or a, a CSV, comma-separated value file, which is also read by Excel, and all of them will import Excel or CSV files. So although it's not something you want to take on lightly because you invariably end up losing something, but you know you can start with a CRM and if you get a little ways down the road and realize, well, this doesn't really do quite what I thought it was going to do for me, you're not stuck. You can export the data and and import it into another one. And in fact, in some evaluations that I've done for myself and for clients, I've loaded up the database into two or three CRMs, use, their, use the free version for the first two weeks and really kick the tires on the three of them. And uh, and have a shootout, and at the end of it, say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this one. So, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to sit, have to decide right now today. Oh, I need that inventory control capability. I need the help desk capability. Therefore, I have to go with a, a Zoho or a V Tiger or one of those. You know, you might say, well, let's start off with the CRM. I'll do my accounting in in QuickBooks for now. And uh, you know, maybe down the road, look at uh, at at other options and in integration. 
Yeah, but and if it <clears throat> so, it sounds like that that it's possible for that data to be portable. Um, but uh, you mentioned that that uh, invariably you lose stuff. Um, can you can you just kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that you'll find is in virtually all of them, you can export all of your contacts. But in most of them, the things like notes and your history on your activities that you saved, and in a lot of cases, the emails don't export. So you can get your contact data over, but you lose all your history. Right. That's typically typically the norm. Which is and, a, a big deal because that is yeah. what you wanted the CRM for in the first place, That's right? That's right. That's right. Exactly. So um, it's it's best if you uh, uh, if you start off with the CRM and within just a few weeks or even a few months, you say, eh, I'm not sure this is really the best solution for me. My advice is, okay, bite the bullet and back up, do your research on other options and try and 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 make that change earlier rather than later. Particularly, you know, if you're in a growing company, you start adding employees, you know, it's very easy for me as a business person to, and, and for someone that's familiar to CRM to say, oh, I can change my CRMs, it's not a big deal, I'll come up to speed on it quickly. But if you've got three, four or five em employees and you have to retrain them and get them up to speed on a CRM, all of a sudden it's not a trivial task. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that, that, that would be pretty significant. So, um, uh, we're, we're running about 30 minutes and I think we've given a good chance to introduce, uh, CRM. Um, maybe we can do another segment in the future on maybe to, to help, uh, uh, create an environment where people can can get good tips on choosing a CRM. Would that be something that we could do? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in in closing, I guess one of the things that I would like to mention is when you say the word CRM, if you were to do a free association and you say CRM, the word that most business people are going to come back with is Salesforce. And um, I see that oftentimes that that a company goes with Salesforce because it's the 900-pound gorilla, the same reason the old adage, you never get fired for uh, for buying IBM back when typewriters were the thing. But uh, And not that I'm negative towards Salesforce. They're a great tool, but there are so many other ones out there that for small business don't necessarily leap to Salesforce, um, look at, a leather, uh, at the other options because there are a lot of them out there. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I I think that's a, a a really good point in terms of you 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 mentioned there's 70 of them out there, roughly speaking. Um, I would encourage people to go to the directory, and we will we'll have a link to that in the show notes, and um, you know look at some of the uh, the options that are out there, and maybe think about uh, what first of all, what are the key items that somebody might want to want to track in CRM in terms of being a small business owner. What do I care about? Um, you know, maybe I don't need um, mass email. Maybe I have, like you said earlier, maybe I have three or four really key clients and I don't need to be sending them, uh, you know, sending a mass email out. So that function's maybe not important or maybe um, it's really important to me to uh, have good social media coverage with my CRM. So if they, if, if a, if a, a listener wants to go through and identify the the top things that they 
really think would matter to their business when it comes to uh, working with their customers. And then they can go through that list uh, in the directory and say, okay, which ones of these actually do what I want to do? And then also look at the at the interface and decide, is that something that makes sense to me when I look at it? And then look at the mobile app and, and say, okay, does that look like it makes sense to me also? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very sound approach. So what I'd like to do is give you the uh, give you a chance to just uh, let us uh, listeners know what your uh, contact information might be and where you'd like uh, people to go to learn more about uh, Invistia. Sure. The probably the best place to start is actually Invistia CRM, the same one I mentioned earlier. And there is a contact form there. If you have any questions or would like to contact me for more information, feel free to use that contact form. All right. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure. All right. So we've got, uh, that was a, a great segment with Ron. Uh, really appreciate him coming on the show today. And also, uh, if you have um, any questions about the segment or any comments about the segment, uh, ways we can mess, make these expert guests uh, more helpful for you as listeners, please uh, email me at go.beyond at b50p.com. And we will definitely uh, look at everything that, that uh, comes in and make the show uh, as good as we can make it for you. So the main topic this week is um, customer service, and uh, that kind of rolls right in with customer relationship management. And there's three things I wanted to talk about. Uh, as you saw from the site title, it's see the problems, hear the customer, and speak only thoughtfulness. And we'll also talk about acing customer service with a downloadable worksheet that uh, I created for this episode. So the first one we're going to do, I'm kind of backing, uh, doing it in uh, a semi-reversed order because I want to use my own example first. So um, we're going to use speak-only thoughtfulness. And uh, I want to start this off with the environment in your store should reflect how you want your customers to feel while they're there. And so... Uh, it, there was a locally owned supermarket in the small town in New Mexico, uh, and uh, the year is 1983. A 15-year-old kid is stocking shelves in a canned food aisle, and he's interrupted by an elderly woman who says, Excuse me, uh, I just wanted to, to let you know that this music is, is making me want to get out of here as fast as I can. And the kid replied, Well, we figure since we're here all day, it would be nice if we had something we like to listen to. Unfortunately, I can't tell you more about what, how the woman reacted because I didn't pay much attention to her. And yeah, that stalking kid was me. Um, and I, I like to think that as soon as I said it, I knew it was thoughtless and unprofessional, but I was pretty young. And, um, and the, that, that phrase or that, interaction has haunted me all of ever since. Uh, but the attitude, uh, and to give you some background, the attitude and work environment of that supermarket was pretty awful. Um, the owners were gruff. Um, they weren't entirely honest. Um, and actually just a short time after this incident, they were, uh, completely out of business. And while I will accept responsibility for, my own comments to this poor woman, um, them going out of business was not my fault. 
but as owners, we're responsible to ensure that our team understands how we would like customers or how we would like them to interact with customers. And we can't leave that up to chance. We can't leave it up to um, what is this guy going to say when somebody questions something on the floor? Um, we have to set the example. And so the consequences in this, in this case, um, as I mentioned, I don't know, you know, I didn't follow through the rest of the story because I was stocking the shelves and, and I was 15 and I didn't care. Um, but at the very least, that customer probably complained to the floor manager or the owner. And it almost certainly shortened at least that shopping trip, which means potentially lost revenue for the, for the store. And very possibly, she was the first person in the door of any new shopping option or grocery option that opened up in the area. And how could we handle that better? Well, obviously, um, I, as the as the clerk or the the stocking clerk, could have should say, "Oh, I'm sorry to hear that," um, you know, and report the issue to the floor manager and let them handle it from there. If you don't. Um, you know, if I didn't know how to handle it, I should have known that the next step was to take a complaint to, a, to the floor manager. But even better than that, understand the customer profile for the people that are shopping at your store. And don't create or allow to be created an environment that will make them uncomfortable in the first place. So as the owner, you say, we play classical music or soft rock or whatever it is that's appropriate for your particular uh, customer base and make that the standard and say, this is what we do and, and don't leave it up to the employees to set the radio station. Next, we got to train our personnel how to handle customer concerns in a way that provides positive, uh, consistent, and thoughtful care. Obviously, the radio station at the sh at the store is not about the employees, and we want to make sure that um, your your employees know that it's about creating an environment for the for the uh, customers. And so that's the first thing. The next one is see the problems. So this is an experience I had actually very recently. Um, I'm using, uh, Word, we use WordPress for the website, very simple. And I was toying with a plugin about a year ago, maybe a little bit more, um, where uh, for um, uh, online coursework, which is something we're experiment, experimenting with for the future. And so this, this year, um, so I, I experimented with this plugin uh, decided, well, it's really, it's really not what, what I want to use right now. And so, um, I put it aside and in March, uh, come to find out we, we get billed for it again. And it was an, actually an automatic payment. So the money's already out of the checking account. Right. And so I'm like, okay, fine. Um, my mistake, I should have, of checked the terms and conditions or whatever it was that I need to check before, um, uh, uh, you know, or as soon as I had made the decision not to use it, but you know, I'm the customer. So I sent uh, an email back to the, to the vendor and said, uh, you know, Hey, this is obviously a mistake, whether it's mine for not canceling or yours for, you know, auto automatically, uh, debiting our account. It, I, I'm not worried about it, but 
let's go ahead and reverse the charges. I'm not using your product. What can we do? And I immediately got an email that said, one of our service uh, representatives will get back to you in 24 hours. So, okay, sounds good. Um, and then nothing. 24 hours goes by, 48 hours goes by, a week goes by, I send him another email and said, hey, haven't heard from you. I know you're busy. Um, these guys are actually from Colorado. So, you know, being local, I really kind of wanting this thing to work out and still nothing. So uh, three attempts later, and actually including this morning, four attempts, I still have yet to hear from this cust this company. And so that's a, honestly, that's a terrible way to do business. All right. Even if they say their, um, their uh, terms of in conditions clearly state that if you don't cancel, you're going to get charged. We don't do refunds. Even if that's your policy and the customer violated it, um, not talking to me about it is not the right answer. Okay, so in this case, by definition, I'm not doing business with these guys again, which is too bad. I would really love to, to support a local Colorado company, but I'm, I'm not going to do business with people who won't communicate with me about my money. That's important to me, and it's important to you. So at the very least, we should have heard an acknowledgement of the problem. Hey, we hear you. Uh, you know, you signed up and you didn't cancel, and that's how our system works. And uh, we're, we're sorry we didn't make it clear enough, um, but we've closed your account and you won't be charged again in 2019. Okay, that would have been better because at least that would have been something, right? But in my opinion, risking a lifelong customer, I mean, if you pay for a, a, a if you have an annual fee for, for a, a plug-in, in this case, it's, you know, it's about a hundred bucks, a little bit less, and you think about if if I implement an online course with this plugin, how many years do you think I'm going to leave that up? I'm not going to change it every year. That's too it's too much work. So you have a really good opportunity with something like that to say, hey, we've got a lot of revenue possibility from let's say at least 10 years. Okay. Now they've lost, they they've got that one year of money if they don't ever refund it but that's all they're ever going to get from me. Whereas if they had done it right, they would have, they have the opportunity for me to be their customer for a long time. And not only am I not going to buy this particular product from them, I'm not going to buy any products from them because of the way they the, the lack of communication. And so they don't get to look forward to, um, to future business. So what would the right thing have been to be, in, in my opinion, the right thing to do is apologize for the confusion, refund the money, and look forward to future business. And I'm not just saying that because it's my money. I've done this um, before for other customers. When something has not worked out like they thought it should or would, um, sometimes you just say, I'm going to, I'm going to let this go. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, worry about the short-term sale. I'm, I'm looking at the long-term relationship. So finally, uh, I want you to hear the customer. And this story is, uh, I was in a bike shop and well, back up a little bit. 
Um, you know, I, I would have thought that coming into a store and asking, hey, how can I spend my money here would be interesting to a salesperson. And you would think that. But um, so so our youngest son and I were, were mountain biking uh, with a local bike club. And we, we had a good time. We had some fun. But my bike is a, um, it's a hybrid, uh, like a, a touring bike or whatever. So it's got a little bit wider tires than a road bike, but it doesn't have any shock absorbers. So I thought, well, if we're going to do this um, with any frequency, I need to get some uh, some adjustments made. So I went to the shop, and to now to be clear, this is the shop I bought the bike at in the first place. So here we are in the shop. There are three salespeople on the floor, all trying to desperately look like they're working rather than come and serve a customer. So finally, I corner one, and I start talking to her about, hey, this is this is what I'd like. What would it take to add shocks to the front end of my bike and maybe do something with the seat? Um, I realize you probably can't change the rear end because you're talking about cutting the frame and or whatever, right? But what can we do? And the salesperson uh, said, well, I'm not familiar with that bike. I thought, well, you're you're a bike shop, right? You should be, you should have some expertise with bikes, but okay, fine. I had the bike on the rack on my car in the parking lot, but she didn't want to go see it. She didn't want to, uh, go learn about it. She wouldn't look it up on, on a computer terminal or something in the building. Um, and so I said, so I explained to her that I had the bike and she just she wasn't having it. She didn't want to look at it. And she immediately goes to, well, it would be the same cost or cheaper just to get a new bike. And so I said, well, I don't, I don't want another bike. I've had this bike since 1995. We've been through a lot together. I want to upgrade this bike. That's what I want to do. And she couldn't let it go. She's and, and, and so we went back and forth on that a little for a little while and then she finally said, well, you know, that bike is older than most of the people in this store. And so, okay, I'm not super sensitive about my age, but that was, <laughs> at that point, she wasn't going to sell me what I wanted. And she clearly couldn't relate to how I felt about my bike, which is funny because I would think that people who worked in a bike shop would understand, um, you know, that kind of, of uh, appreciation for something that you've had a long time. But let's pretend for a moment that it's not even possible to upgrade a 1995 Trek 750, or I think that's what it is, with front-end shocks and a bouncy seat. Um, why not just explain that to me? Not just push me to a new bike, but explain that it can't be done and why. And then make your counteroffer. Then say, hey, we, we can't do what you want, but the end result of riding off tra on trails uh, without, uh, you know, breaking your, bashing your knees, uh, you know, then match what I really need with what you can offer um, after explaining to me what's going on. So the consequence here is I left and, um, you know, I'm never going back to that shop. Why would I? They weren't helpful. They were actually fairly condescending. Um and so she didn't get the opportunity to sell me bike upgrade parts. 
and I probably would have let them do the work. So they would have had a service charge associated with it. And I'm not going to go back to that bike shop. And when I tell the story one-on-one, I have no problem sharing the name of the shop. Um, you know, and of course, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not going to bu- use the, the podcast as a bully pulpit. But, you know, when it's person to person, and especially if they're people in the area, I want them to know this is the service I got from these guys. And so there are, and, and there are plenty of bike shops in Northern Colorado. And if, and, and, uh, but, but the other side of that is, so I have a lot of choices as a consumer, but the other side of that is if local shops act like that, then Amazon is just a click away. And I believe in buying locally if you can. I really do believe in supporting local business and small business and, and, and putting our money in our local economy. But if that kind of attitude and service or, or yeah, that kind of attitude and service is very damaging to the one principal defense that small business has against online retailers, and that's personal service. So we have to get through that. We have to really focus on, as small business owners, on providing the best possible service that we can because that's not replicable online, at least not yet. And so what would have been better in this case? Well, acknowledge that you've listened to the customer and understand what their needs are. And if it can't be done, like I said, explain. Why can't it be done? Maybe there are no parts available that will fit that size of, of front end. Now, I don't believe that's true, but let's, let's assume that there's a reason that it can't be done. Fine. Explain it. Um, if you don't know, and yes, it's an older bike. If you don't know and you're not familiar with it, look it up, right? Offer to look it up. And, uh, you know, sit down with me at a computer terminal and, or, or the customer, whoever it is, and look up the information and see what you can do to help. Now, if all of that ends up meaning that there's no upgrade path for this bike, now sell the options that you have to achieve the customer's goal. In this case, mountain biking with less joint damage. Better action than that? Put your own bias aside and work with the the customer to achieve their goals. So find the parts I need to do what I want. And then when I want a new bicycle, maybe I come back to your shop. In this case now, of course, there's no way. I'm I'm done with that shop. Um, Lucky for me, I can still keep my money local and I can shop somewhere else. So uh, those are the three stories. And and I think they're, they're illustrative of what what we can do wrong, not only as people, as individuals, where we make poor decisions in interacting with customers, but also as business owners where we don't set the standard. In every single case here, the business owner could have set the standard. The, the, uh, my boss at the supermarket could have set the standard and said, we play this radio station or we create an environment where this is the, 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 customer, this is the kind of customers that we are going to have in the store, and this is what they expect. If you have a problem, if a customer complains, this is the roadmap, right? This is the way that we fix those problems. Um, the, uh, the plug-in company, all they have to do is acknowledge the question. That's all they would have had to do. I mean, I would really rather have a, a refund because I'm not using their product. I haven't used it. Um, 
but okay, if, you know, but no communication at all, that's not an option. At least it's not a successful option. And then in terms of, of the bike shop, listen to your customer and, and pay attention and do what they want. I was not going to buy a new bike that day. It was not going to happen. And as soon as she knew that, she should have gone a different direction. Um, and so those are kind of the, the kind of things that, that an owner can say, um, this is how I want stuff handled. This is the experience I want customers to have in my store. Set that standard and make sure that your employees know how to implement it. So the worksheet that I did is called Acing Customer Service, and it's downloadable at the show notes page for this episode. And it's a worksheet that's it's very simple, but it shows a Venn diagram with uh, three components, um, an A for attitude, and uh, the C, ACE, A-C-E, C is for competency, and E is for empathy. And we'll talk briefly about what each of those means in terms of the diagram, but A is how we feel about the attitude, how we feel about our company, our product, and our customer. And the owners need to lead by example. You need to treat your employees well and help them understand the benefits of your product and then create an environment that's appropriate for customers given the market and the product and the customer profile and stuff like that. And you may have a, a supermarket where you're playing elevator music, which is where, um, you know, where I was working when I was 15, or you may have a, a store that is um, appealing to young adults and you're playing um, hard rock or, or, or hip hop or whatever. Um, and it may be perfectly appropriate for that particular environment, but you need to match that environment with your customer demographic. And you need to explain to your employees why that, why that is, why things are the way they are. Um, C is for competency. And we're not talking about your personal competency here so much as we are about the, the market knowledge, product knowledge, and uh, knowing your customer, but then also your product's ability to fi fill the need of the customer. So the product's competency in terms of resolving the customer's problem. And uh, this is if, if your product is not right, if it's not the good, a good fit for your customer, it is much better to say, you know what, um, let me help you find something that will work better for you, but um, what we offer isn't going to help. And for example, in the, in the, in the instance with the, the bicycle store, what would it have taken for, her, for the salesperson to say, you know what, um, we, we really don't have any upgrade parts for uh, a bicycle like that. Um, but let me see if I can call around and find out if uh, a shop across the across town has it. If uh, there's a shop about two miles away from from this one, if they have something, yes, you're sending a customer to uh, a competitor, sort of. Uh, except that they weren't going to sell me anything anyway. They didn't sell me anything that day at all. And if they had done something, if they had gone out of their way to help, that would have shown me that they knew that their products were not, air quotes, competent to fill my pro problem or to fix my problem, but they put forth the service and the effort to help me solve it. And that comes back. I would remember that. Um, and so E is for empathy, which is part of what I just talked about too, is understanding the, 
how well we relate to the customer and understanding what their needs really are. And we want to keep that positive. We want to listen to the customer and we want to understand where they're coming from. Part of the problem, you know, in this, in the, in the bicycle case, and I'm using that one as an example because it's so personal to me. Um, but, um, you know, she just could not understand that I didn't want a new bike, that I really wanted to upgrade the one that I had. And it just, it, it didn't fit with what she thought she wanted. And so it just wasn't going to register for her. And so I think that, that um, those three things, if we talk about having a, a positive attitude and ensuring that we, we have the right, the, the competency, the right product and the right to, to fit the problem, that we keep our market knowledge and our product knowledge up to speed, and that we use empathy so that we can stay in touch with the customer and um, really understand what they need. I think those are things, once we get those things taken care of, um, a lot of the customer service issues that we have end up going away. Or at the very least, they can be uh, resolved or um, mitigated so that they don't become uh, a lost customer or at least we minimize the number of times they become lost customers. All right, so the tools of the trade this week are acing, the cu acing customer service, the worksheet that I did, and um, going back to CRM a little bit, uh, VTiger, which is the CRM that I use personally, um, and, and certainly strongly recommend looking at it. Um, as you heard with the, uh, discussion with Ron, there are a tremendous amount of options for CRMs for, for small business owners now. And, uh, but I do, I do, I really like the VTiger product. Um, and I think it's definitely worth taking a look at and CRM in general is a good tool of the week or tool of the trade for the week. Uh, I think it's uh, a good thing for business owners to keep in mind and at least consider as something to um, uh, work uh, to integrate into their uh, customer interaction. So thank you so much for spending time with me today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Up and to the Right, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to visit b50p.info forward slash UATTR019 to get the show notes for this episode along with any downloads or other resources that were mentioned. Find out more about our coaching and project-based services at beyond50percent.com. It's unrealistic to expect to please everyone. At the same time, if you want to uh, listen, if you listen to what your customers ask for, address concerns immediately and treat them with dignity and respect you can make a positive impression. You are in charge of your customer service and at your business. Now let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. <laughs>